Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Stefan. It's a uh, wonderful privilege to be with you today. Uh, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? The uh, verses will be on the screen. I don't know about you, I like to have it in my hands. I also tacked on an extra verse. We're going to read verse 6 also. 2 Corinthians 4, starting at verse 6. Um, quick introduction. Maybe you remember in the season of Easter, which wasn't that long ago, we did a sermon series called Backward, Backwards Faith. And we talked about how we used the lectionary text from Easter. And we talked about how uh, the Christian faith is almost never predictable. And the Christian faith is almost never linear. And the faith that we end up having um, is almost never the faith that we imagined that we would have. The, the Christian faith that develops in our lives as we grow and as we mature isn't very often what we had anticipated. Sometimes it feels like we're taking steps backwards in our faith. And some people will describe that as a kind of reset of their faith or describe, describe that as a kind of deconstruction of their faith. And that's what we talked about during Easter. For the next few weeks, I think four or five weeks, uh, we're going to follow the lectionary into the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to do a sermon series we're calling Forward Faith. And this is a sermon series about what we can expect out of the Christian faith. Um, so uh, if, if there's anyone out there who's maybe looking to kind of reconstruct something that they feel like they might have lost uh, when it has to do with their faith, that's kind of what we're hoping to do in this sermon series. So let's read. This is a, a really beautiful piece of scripture. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. Listen to God's word. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death of Jesus sake to death for Jesus sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is the word of the Lord. Let me give a little bit of context here. This letter is written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this letter to this uh, little church in Corinth. Paul had a very conflicted relationship with this church in Corinth. He planted the church um, a few years before this uh, letter was written. Um, But they grew, as this church grew, they grew to like Paul less and less over the years. Um, And they became somewhat, this congregation became somewhat infatuated by these other teachers, by these other apostles who, compared to Paul, seemed to be much more impressive, um, were apparently much better looking, and were much better preachers. And in this letter, Paul is writing to his church, and he's asking them, he's begging them, he's imploring them not to be fooled by these smooth-talking apostles, so-called apostles, who promise wealth and health and an easy life and a faith that will do you every single favor. So Paul is writing to these young believers about this tension that we all experience in life. And every person of faith lives with this tension. And that is this. We want life to go a certain way. We want things to work out for us. We want to be, oh, I don't know, rich and joyful and happy and peaceful. And we want to have all kinds of prosperity. And yet, for most of us, life doesn't go that way, at least not consistently. We endure significant bouts of darkness in our lives. Every single part of our lives, even the best parts, are afflicted by darkness. And so, one of the most significant questions that is opposed to every culture and to every people group and to every individual is this. What are you going to do with your darkness? What are you going to do with your brokenness? What are you going to do with your suffering? How are you going to handle the darkness in your life? How are you going to think about, how are you going to process, and how are you going to live with the brokenness in your life? Are you going to try to ignore it? Are you going to try to minimize it? Are you going to try to fix it? What are you going to do with the darkness in your life? For Paul, this was a very important question. Um, There is no one in all of history like the Apostle Paul. His life was ridiculous. (laughs) Um, uh, I I mentioned before that he didn't really get along with this Corinthian church. The main reason that he didn't get along with this Corinthian church is that they just didn't respect the guy. They, They watched Paul, they watched how things played out in his life, And they thought, who on earth would pattern their life after this guy? He's a bad luck charm. Don't do anything that this guy tells you to do. There was so much darkness in his life. There was so much suffering in his life. In fact, uh, a few chapters later than the one that we just read in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul lists all of his sufferings. He lists all of the darkness in his life. And he says, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one. 
Uh, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have been constantly on the move, he says. I have been in danger of rivers, in in danger of bandits, in danger of the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. I have labored and I have toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have often gone without food. And he goes on and on and on. It's quite a list. So the Corinthian Christians saw that and they said, let's follow someone else, shall we? I'd rather not deal with that darkness. I'd rather not take that kind of suffering upon myself. Is this guy a divinely inspired apostle of Christ or a joke? So the Corinthians thought, you know, if this guy really is a great apostle, why would his life be such a disaster? It doesn't seem like this man has the favor of God in his life. He's not healthy. He's not wealthy. Uh, He's not handsome. Things aren't easy for him. But Paul understood something that the Corinthian Christians did not yet understand. Everyone has darkness in their life. Everyone has struggle in their life. Everyone has suffering in their life. Everyone has challenges, especially Paul. But what made Paul unique was what he did with his suffering and how he thought about his suffering and how he processed it and how he used it. Because his life was rooted in the gospel of Christ, Paul was uniquely aware that his suffering was not to be wasted. His suffering was not to be wasted. It was to be utilized. I said before that every culture and every people group and every individual has to ask themselves, what am I going to do with the darkness in, in my life? Paul's answer to that question and the gospel's answer to that question is remarkably helpful. It's verse 6, if your Bibles are still open. He says, God, who makes light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, that's really, really wordy. Paul tends to be wordy. It's another thing that you could not like about him. But you will never hear more important words in your entire life, I swear to you. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, God is at war with the darkness. God is at war with the darkness, and he has been at war with the darkness from the very beginning. God has always been at war with the darkness. And at the very beginning, when there was nothing but darkness, there was nothing but chaos, God said, let there be light. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this universe was was bathed in the glowing uh, brightness of God. And that's what Paul is talking about here. The light comes from the darkness. And then there's another uh, occasion. In this occasion, Jesus was on the cross, and Jesus was laboring for his very last breaths, and in the middle of the afternoon, everything went completely dark. Until three days later, the sun cracked up over the horizon. And the Son of God was resurrected from the dead, and the sun shone brighter than it ever had in history. That's the kind of light out of darkness that Paul is talking about. 
He says, that same light which dispelled darkness at the dawn of creation, that same light which brought to an end the reign of death at the resurrection of Jesus, that same light, Paul says, is shining in our hearts. It's shining in our hearts. What are you going to do with your darkness? But, Paul says, it's not easy. But, Paul says, we have this light, but we have it in an earthen vessel. We have it in a, in a, in a jar of clay. We have these mortal bodies these imperfect minds, these easily misdirected spirits. We have this light in our humble circumstances, in our broken lives. Do you see um, the juxtaposition here? Do you see the contrast that Paul is trying to point out? He's saying, we have this unthinkable treasure, but it's kept in this clay jar. We have, we have pure gold, but it's kept in this paper cup. It's like we have the ring of power, but it's kept on the finger of a hobbit. It's something so valuable, contained in something that is so vulnerable. Do you see that contrast? Do you experience that contrast in your own life? I hope you do. I hope this feels familiar to you. Do you feel that tension between who you believe God created you to be and who you actually are? Good. I hope so. Do you feel that tension between the inherent glory of this world that we live in and its desperate brokenness? Good. I hope so. Do you find that the best and most important things in your life also bring you the most anxiety and frustration? You may nudge the person next to you if you want. I hope so. Paul says that's exactly the tension we're supposed to feel. That's exactly the sweet spot. That's where the immeasurable treasure touches the jar of clay. In that place of tension. We're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because it's in those places of tension where God is doing all of his best work. That's really hard to hear, so I'm going to say it one more time. It's in those places of tension where God is doing all of his best work. We would love to be able to avoid those places of tension, wouldn't we? 
We would love to be able to sweep all that darkness, all that brokenness under the rug. We would love to be all kinds of West Michigan nice all over the place. Nope. Paul says, nope. If you're looking for that kind of life, if you're looking for that kind of apostle, if you're looking for that kind of health and wealth baloney, you're going to have to look somewhere else. It is in that conflict. It is in that tension. It is in that hard conversation. It is in that difficult thing that is, is challenging to reconcile. It's in that juxtaposition where God does his very best work. The church in, in Corinth was infatuated with these really fancy so-called apostles. Um, <laughs> Paul sarcastically called them super-apostles. He's like, oh, the super-apostles. Unlike Paul, they had never been shipwrecked. Unlike Paul, they had never been beaten. They had never been hungry. They had never been turned down. They were tall, and they were handsome, and they were smooth-talking, and they were wealthy, and they were impressive, and they were preaching a gospel that talked about the ease of life. And it talked about keeping your own possessions and using them for yourself. And they talked about financial success. And they talked about living your best life now. And they talked about, ah, don't worry about somebody else will do it. But Paul was telling the Corinthians, and Paul is telling us, and the Holy Spirit of God this morning is telling us, why would you want to live there? There's no treasure there. It's a fake treasure. It's fool's gold. They're, outwardly, that stuff is wasting away. Don't you want to live at that juxtaposition? Don't you want to live at the place where the light is touching the darkness? You know how um, usually when somebody says, hey, how's it going? They don't really mean it, <laughs> right? They mean hello. Um, I said that a couple weeks ago to somebody. I said, hey, how's it going? And he answered my question, which I was unprepared for. Um, but it was delightful. And um, over a conversation of about 30 minutes, he conveyed to me, you know what? Marriage is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And um, parenting can be a lot more draining than it is fulfilling. And the Christian faith that I had 10 years ago simply cannot sustain me anymore. I don't fit there. And I thought, wow. What a beautiful and vulnerable thing to share. And he kept talking, and he said, you know what, at the same time, uh, my challenging relationships are the ones that teach me the most about myself. It's very often stuff I'd rather not learn, but it's those challenging relationships that teach me the most about myself. And they teach me to differ differentiate 
and they teach me to set boundaries, and they teach me about what's healthy and what's not. And he said, you know what? Um, being a parent has taken me off of the, own, my, the throne of my own heart. Being a parent has taught me true humility and true selflessness. And he said, you know what? Uh, struggling to reconcile my faith with my life has caused me to develop a faith, uh, has caused me to develop a theology of grace and acceptance that I never would have dreamed of 10 years ago. And he said, I wouldn't trade it. It's not easier. It's not simpler. In fact, it's much more complex. He said, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's where the gospel is being played out. In that tension, in that juxtaposition, where the, where the treasure touches the clay jar, that's where the gospel is being played out. Not in platitudes, not in peace and privilege and wealth and avoidance. The gospel is being played out in places where the light is slowly overtaking the darkness. In those places of tension, that's where the treasure is. For God who says, let, lo- let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this invitation into something a bit more complicated than we had imagined. We thank you for this invitation into something that's harder than we might have thought. But we thank you that we have a front row seat into watching the light slowly overtake the darkness. We thank you that we have a front row seat to that place where the treasure touches the clay jar. We pray, God, that you would continue to make us humble and open and vulnerable so that we might receive more and more and more of your grace, more and more and more of your treasure. With gratitude and hope, we pray. Amen.